Imagine crossing the ocean twice on a two-month journey only to find out that the colony you just spent years building has vanished without a trace. This is the story of Sir Walter Raleigh and the, myster- and the mystery of the Roanoke Colony. This is Season 3, Episode 5. I'm Hunter Halverson, and joining me is Andrew Dutson. Hey, what up? <laughs> Alright, so we're going to hop into the Lost Colony of Roanoke. Um, yeah, this story is pretty crazy. I mean... I don't know. I didn't really know much about it. I know about Hunter. Like, this is literally the first time I've basically heard of it. Yeah, I don't think a whole lot of people know about the Roanoke Colony. I think when most people think about, like, the foundation of America, they think of Jamestown. Yeah. That was the first successful colony. And even that had a lot of, like, really messed up stuff. Like, they didn't grow any food. They just grew tobacco. And so <laughs> That's all you need, so, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Smoking so, for days. The Roanoke Colony is really popular with, like... Uh, just kind of like lore and legends, especially kind of near the East Coast. Um, to, so we're going to talk a little bit about it. So, okay, so in 1585, the first governor, Ralph Lane, established the colony of Roanoke. Lane's colony was the first colony was desperate for supplies, especially considering that they had to compete for resources with the local Native Americans. This ultimately led Ralph Lane to leave Roanoke to go back to England in 18, 1856. No, dude, that's not 1856. That's 15. Oh, yeah. That's 1586. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, 1856. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ralph Lane to leave Roanoke to go to England, back to England in 1586, and abandon his colony because of delayed supply run had caused some issues within the colony. So he basically, the, the first um, settlers in the, what is now the east coast of the United States, this first colony was the Roanoke colony. Um, and like it said before, they were desperate for supplies and resources. So uh, Sir Walter Raleigh and Ralph Lane left the colony right before winter and went back to England to go get desperately needed supplies. And when they returned, uh, it was it just vanished. That's essentially the mystery. Okay. White from the other colony. So there were two people that started to sell a Roanoke. So Lane was the first one. White's the second one. So he established a new city, and he was going to call it the city of Raleigh and it would have been settled on the Chesapeake Bay. However, a man by the name of Simon Fernande was their flagship's pilot, basically stated that white colonists, and that was the exact verbiage they used, needed to stay on um, uh, Roanoke. So he was basically saying, we're not going to branch out, we're going to stay here. And then on top of that, he went back to England for more supplies, because we're going to get to it in a second, but they were like dying for food and literally had nothing. So anyway... Gets back to England and was delayed for two years due to the Anglo-Spanish War, and that happened in 1588, and then he came back in 1590. So they literally had to wait two years without supplies. Yeah, and I think that they he wanted to only make it like a couple months in between. Yeah. But there was a war that had just broken out with the, with the country of Spain. Uh, so Spain and England essentially went to war, and the queen just said, hey, we're going to stop colonizing right now. We need to fight this war. Yeah. So they drafted him to go fight the war, essentially just abandoning the colony. So when he actually did come back two years later, he found the settlement fortified but abandoned, so it looked like the settlement had grown a little bit. 
but there was no people. And there was a word, the only really clue of where everyone had gone, there was a word carved on one of the palisades, which is the wooden wall fortification around the colony, and all it said was Croatoan. And it is interpreted to mean that the colonists had been relocated to Croatoan Island, um, but he, before he could follow the lead, the rough seas and a lost anchor forced the rescue mission to go back to England, so they didn't even try to go to the uh, Croatoan Island. Um, also, the Native Americans, there was a assumed Native American tribe called the Croatoans that lived nearby. So, and we'll talk about this a little bit later towards the end of the episode about the theories of what happened to them. But uh, the Croatoans were also some of the Native Americans that were around as well. Right. So basically, we got the fate of about 112, 121 colonists that remain unknown to this day. Speculation that they may have been assimilated uh, with the nearby Native American communities appears as early as 1605, which is about 15 years later. So investigations by the Jamestown colonists produced reports that the Roanoke settlers were massacred, as well as stories of people with European futures in Native American villages. Uh, but no hard evidence was ever produced. Interest in the matter fell into decline until 1834 when George Bancroft published his account of the events in A History of the United States. Bancroft's description of the colonists, particularly White's infant granddaughter, Virginia Dare, cast them as foundational figures in the American culture and captured the public imagination. Despite this renewed interest, modern research still has not produced the archaeological evidence necessary to solve the mystery. Which is crazy to think about, dude. Like, obviously back then they didn't have enough science and technology to, like, really figure out what happened, but that's really creepy, you know, that 100 people could just disappear and not have an idea of where they went. Yeah, and the fact that they just didn't even care either is also like <laughs> yeah. is also kind of scary. It's like, okay, you just you just sent 121 people to this colony and then you're just like, okay, good luck, you know, See good ya. luck. And he's like, I'm going to go back to England, you know, where there's food. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's the best job, right? Like if you had to be any part of this colony, you want to be the flagship pilot. Like, yeah. all right, you guys suffer. I'll keep bringing your food. If this turns to be a good city, I'll live here. But Exactly, yeah. You know. And then he, you get the honor of having it named after you and all that too. <laughs> Because um, back then they actually had to file charters, like with the with the crown. So Sir Walter Raleigh was a uh, knight, and he was actually chartered to, like, you had to ask for the queen's permission to go settle a colony. Yeah, you can't just be like, I'm out of here. I mean, I guess the pilgrims kind of just were like, I'm out of here, peace out. But like for an official king's colony, like like uh, Jamestown, you had to file paperwork, you had to get ships, you had to get funding by the government. And then you would go and settle it. So the Roanoke colony was actually an actual chartered colony, uh, settled by settled by Sir Walter Raleigh, and um, it's it's kind of in what is now uh, North Carolina. Yeah, that's why the capital of North Carolina is named Raleigh. Yeah, after this guy. And then Jamestown was in um, Virginia, which is a little bit further south. So these colonies were a little bit farther apart. But yeah, it is kind of strange that. He was just kind of like, oh, where did everybody go? And then he's like, oh, well, I'm going to go back to England. <laughs> yeah. Not even going to bother sailing. Like, they were just literally sailing for six weeks straight across the ocean, and they can't sail another couple days to go see if they're on another island or not. True. Well, okay, weird. the only thing I can, like, think of logically in this scenario is, like, the reason why other cities didn't do this is because if they were struggling, it's bad, right? Like, if they didn't have food or supplies, um, and they're probably busting their asses off, like, building houses, like, getting supplies, you know, cutting down trees and all that. Like, who after their work day is going to be like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to travel for, like, three days just to see if these people are alive and then come back. Mm -hmm. Especially with Native Americans out there that aren't too fond of Americans. 
Like, that's basically a death sentence right there, mm-hmm. you know? So, despite the desertion of the Lane colony, Raleigh was persuaded to make another attempt to colonize. However, Roanoke Island would no longer be safe for English settlers because there was hostilities between um, Lane's men and the Secotan, which were uh, a Native American a Native American tribe there, and they recommended um, site in part because he believed the Pacific coast lay beyond just the explored areas of the Virginia territory. So, like, honestly, the whole goal of this was to try to find a way towards uh, India mm-hmm. in that area, so that's probably why they were trying to, like, go through the whole, um, this whole area. And... So on January 7th, 1587, Raleigh approved a a corporate charter to found the city of Raleigh with White as the governor and 12 assistants. Approximately 115 people agreed to join the colony, including White's pregnant daughter, Eleanor, and her husband, Anais Dare. The colonists were largely middle-class Londoners, perhaps seeking to become landed gentry. Mantio and Towaway, who had left the Lane colony with Drake's fleet, were also brought along. And at this time, the party included women, children, but no organized military force. Which I want to kind of like touch on that because, I mean, once again, like we can go over how like shitty it is that Americans tried to settleize um, or settle America in general because of the Native Americans being there. But to not have an orga- organized military or even a militia, that's like horrible. That's so horrible. Like these people in this time period know that they're going to have to fight Indians because they're pushing into their territory and they're just going in there as common folk. Mm-hmm. But like, do you think they really understood, like, do you think that they really grasped the amount of Indians there were? Probably not. I bet it was a huge lack of education. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're, I mean, imagine how scary that would be. It would literally be, like, to us equivalent of colonizing a new planet. Yeah, straight up. Just flying into a planet and not knowing anything about it. That would be the equivalent of crossing the ocean to go settle in the new world. That's a good way to look at so, it. So, I would say, like, but even then, I would still be like, okay, well, we're going to bring a shit ton of guns and stuff because... <laughs> Who knows what's out there? Even animals and stuff. You don't even. Oh, I mean, for sure. They were well aware of bears and wild cats and stuff. I'm sure in England, but they weren't like they should have been ready for anything. Dude, the first time they saw a grizzly bear. <laughs> yeah, can you imagine? Dude, fuck, <laughs> dude. Dude, honestly, it would be scary. Just like the first time seeing Native Americans too. Yeah. Because you're you're in England and everybody around you is all white and you all look the same and everything, and then you land and then you see these people who are just like essentially like aliens like it would be the equivalent like they're darker skinned they're not as technically advanced and in retrospect the indians it would be terrifying seeing that too oh yeah like look at these these goofy ass dressed white goofy people with these massive collars and hats and stuff and then you're just like oh like what is this why do they have all this restrictive clothing it would be scary for both sides i think oh yeah for sure um so the expedition consisted of three ships the flagship was called the lion and it was captained by white with Fernandez as master and pilot, along with a flyboat, um, and that's a full-rigged pinnace, um, which is like a three-masted ship, two-masted ship. And they departed on May 8th, um, and they arrived on July 22nd. They anchored at Croatoan Island. White planned to take 40 men aboard the pinnace to Roanoke, where he would consult with the 15 men stationed there by Greenville before continuing on to Chesapeake Bay. Uh, once he had boarded the pinnace, however, a gentleman on the flagship representing Fernandez ordered the sailors to leave the colonists on Roanoke. The following morning, White's party 
located the site of Lane's colony. The fort had been dismantled while the houses stood vacant and overgrown with melons. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Some juicy ass melons. I mean, at least yeah, they have something to eat. Yeah. So there was no sign that Greenville's men had been there except for human bones that White believed were the remains of one of them killed by Native Americans. After following the arrival on the flyboat July 25th, all the colonists disembarked. Shortly thereafter, George Howe was killed by a native while searching alone for crabs in the sound nearby. Sweet. Um, so they landed on Croatoan Island, right? Like yeah. looking for this settlement. They found it, but they found only one person that had died. Yeah. Hmm. And there was no sign of like struggle. It was just everything, all the houses and stuff were still there, except partially the fort was dismantled. So that's kind of. Like, why do you think they dismantled part of the fort? That's a good question. To allow Indians in? Because if, uh, if it looked like it had been burned or attacked, you'd probably see arrows, like, stuck to the wall and everything, you know? Like, there was no sign of an attack by the natives besides one person that got killed. Yeah. Out of 115 or 125 people. It's a good question. I don't know. I, I think that one death is kind of conspicuous when you look at it as, like, a whole picture. I mean... Because we could attribute that to maybe, like, a heart attack. But what are the odds that's going to happen right when they're moving? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, maybe they got trampled by some kind of, like, cart as they were leaving, which would be, like, really shitty. But, like, maybe someone's shoe was untied, they went to tie it, and then their foot gets stuck under the wheel of a wagon. And yeah. before they know it, they're like, fuck, we just killed Johnny, you know? Yeah. <laughs> which, <laughs> I don't know. I don't. There's no other good way to explain that, you know? That's true. But then again, when, oh, yeah, I don't know. There would be evidence of that if that happened, so. Mm-hmm. Spooky. Okay. Um, while dispatched, Stafford um, reestablished relations with the Croatan with the help of Monteo. The Croatan described how a coalition of mainland tribes led by Wanchis had attacked Greenville's detachment. The colonists attempted to negotiate a truce through the Croatan, but received no response. 120 to 123 on August 9th, while led a pre... Wait, what the hell? Okay, cut. Hold on, that's just the page number, I think. <laughs> okay. On August 9th, White led um, a preemptive strike on the woo, Dasa Mongao Sponky, but the enemy feared reprisal for the death of Howe and had withdrawn from the village, and the English accidentally attacked the Croatan looters. Monteo again smoothed relations between the colonists and the Croatan. For his service to the colony, Monteo was baptized and named Lord of Roanoke. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know why that's so funny to me. Like, damn, you got a smooth talker over here easing the relationships between the Native Americans and the colonists, and then we're just going to baptize them for that. Well, so was Monteo, he was a Native American, right? Uh, or is he English? I think he was English, but let's hmm. double check that. Does it say? Monteo. He was a chief of the local Roanoke Island of the community of Native Americans. Oh, shit, okay, okay. He was actually, yeah. He's actually Native American. Damn. And I like how the Christians, like, force him into baptism. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it wasn't Manteo was baptized. It was, they were told he had to be baptized. It's probably just like, you're a good guy. You just you can be baptized. And then named Lord of Roanoke. That's sick, though. <laughs> okay. On August 18th, eight, uh, 1587, Eleanor Dare gave birth to her daughter and christened, or christened, right, Virginia in honor of being the first Christian born in Virginia. Aw. Records indicate Marjorie Harvey gave birth shortly thereafter, allowing nothing else. Okay, sorry. Although nothing else is known about her child. 
By the time the fleet was preparing to return to England, the colonists had decided to relocate 50 miles up to Albemarle Sound. The colonists persuaded Governor White to return to England to explore the colony's desperate situation and to ask for help. White reluctantly agreed and departed with the fleet on August 27, 1587. After a difficult journey, White returned to England on November 5, 1587. And by this time, there was reports of the Spanish Armada mobilizing for an attack, uh, and the que- Queen Elizabeth had prohibited any ship from leaving England so that they might participate in the, the coming battle, the defense. Uh, and during the winter, Greenville was granted a waiver to lead a fleet to the Caribbean to attack the Spanish, and White was permitted to accompany him in a resupply ship. The fleet was set to launch in March 1588, but unfavorable winds kept them in port until Greenville renewed new orders to stay and defend England. Two of the smaller ships in Greenville's fleet, the Brave and the Roe, were deemed unsuitable for combat, and White was permitted to take them to Roanoke. The ships departed on April 22nd, but the captains of the ships attempted to capture several Spanish ships on the outward-bound voyage in order to improve their profits. On uh, May 6th, they were attacked by French pirates near Morocco, Nearly two dozen of the crew were killed, and the supplies bound for Roanoke were looted, leaving the ships to return to England. Following the defeat of the Spanish Armada in August, England maintained the ban on shipping in order to focus efforts on organizing a counter-armada to attack Spain. White would not gain permission to make another resupply attempt until 1590. Dude. So there's like, what, three, five years that have gone, pat- gone by? Uh, two years. Two so- years that have gone by that they have had no supplies. Like, just can you imagine just, like, being in that colony, waiting and waiting day after day after day? And, because, like he said, he's like, I'll be back in a few months. Yeah. So you're just waiting every day, looking out towards the ocean. And, like, back then, there was probably so much uncertainty. Like, did a storm come? Did it sink the ships? Yeah. Like, are we even going to have supplies or anything? That would just be, that would be sad and oh, scary for sure. to live like that. Dude, the part that gets me is the fucking French pirates that stole all their shit. I know. This is, like, modern-day Sea of Thieves. <laughs> That's <laughs> it's true. Is, dude. It's like, oh, I'll take all this. Fuck, bro. So they kill their crew, take all of their fucking shit, and then they go back to England because they're like, fuck it. They're like, all right, this isn't worth it anymore. That is too good, bro. All right, so now we have the Spanish reconnaissance. So this is from 1585 to 1590, so a five-year time span. Uh, the Spanish Empire had been gathering intelligence on the Roanoke colonies since Greenville's capture of Santa Maria de San Vicente in 1585. They feared that the English had established a haven for piracy in North America. Interesting. But were unable to locate such a base. They had no cause to assume Lane's colony had been abandoned or that whites would be placed in the same location. Indeed, the Spanish greatly overestimated the success of the English in Virginia. Rumors suggested uh, the English had discovered a mountain made of diamonds and a route uh, to the Pacific Ocean. Following a failed reconnaissance mission in 1587, King Philip II of Spain ordered Vicente Gonzalez to search Chesapeake Bay in 1588. Gonzalez failed to find anything in Chesapeake. On the way back, he chanced to discover Port Ferdinando uh, along the Outer Banks. The port appeared abandoned and there were no signs of activity on the Roanoke Island. Gonzalez left without conducting a thorough investigation, although the Spanish believed Gonzalez had located the secret English base. The defeat of the Spanish Armada prevented Philip from immediately ordering an attack upon it. In 1590, a plan was reportedly made to destroy the Roanoke colony and set up a Spanish colony in Chesapeake Bay, but this was merely disinformation designed to misdirect in English intelligence. Okay, there's a whole ton of shit in here. Like, 
Yeah, it's a lot of information. We got the Spanish that are now popping in. So now you got what? The Spanish, English, um, and the English Americans that I guess we can call them that. The colonists, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know, dude. So I know they were saying that this was just a misdirect of information to like mess up the English with like probably transporting materials. Mm-hmm. But there's got to be a little bit more to it. Oh, I think like my opinion on it is the whole war between England and Spain really screwed over their colonization efforts. Yeah. Because especially with Queen Elizabeth saying no more ships can go to North America, like you have to stay here and defend us from the Spanish Armada. Because Spain at this point was like a really powerful empire. Yeah. Like they owned all of South America, all of Central America, a lot of the Caribbean. And the English were just trying to get their foot in the door with like a colony in the North America. So I think like the whole war that broke out between the two just halted all their their colonizing efforts. And um, the poor people that lived in Roanoke, that they were just in a bad time, like in a bad place. Yeah. Because they had no support at all. So, I don't know if we want to talk about theories or not, but I think if I would have been in that time period, like, you have the Native Americans, they know how to work the land, they know how to get food, they've been living there for thousands of years, like, wouldn't you also just say, like, okay, let's just go join the Indians? I mean, at this point, yeah, because what do they have? Monteo, which is, like, their new leader? Yeah, he's, like, their their translator, he's the chief of the, he knows the Indian ways, Um, wouldn't you just be like, all right, like England's forgot about us. Let's just go join the Native Americans. I would, because I mean, especially if it's a six-week trip and they've already left you without supplies for two years. Yeah, like you might as well literally just stay there with the Indians. And plus, like if they can help you with living off the land and teaching you the ways of like Mm -hmm. surviving there, go for it. But I also don't know how bad the relationships were with the other Indians, because it kind of sounds like Monteo was living with them, and he was like a go-between. But that being said, it sounds like if that's the case, the Native American tribes were probably not friendly. No. Yeah, there there had to be some sort of a person to do diplomacy, so that's why they were, they had Monteo. So yeah, um, eventually Raleigh and White arranged a uh, passage on a privateering expedition. So they would spend the summer of fifteen ninety raiding Spanish outposts in the Caribbean. But the flagship Hopewell and Moonlight would split off to take White to his colony uh, that he had abandoned, and at the same time Raleigh was in the process of turning his venture over to new investors. Hopewell and Moonlight anchored at Croatoan Island on August 12th, but there was no indication that White used the time to contact the Croatan for information. On the evening of 15th of August, while anchored at the north end of Croatoan Island, the crew sighted plumes of smoke on Roanoke Island. The following morning, they investigated another column of smoke on the southern end of Croatoan, but found nothing. While White's landing party spent the next two days attempting to cross Pamlico Sound, with considerable difficulty and loss of life. On August 16th, they sighted a fire on the north end of Roanoke and rowed towards it, but they reached the island long after nightfall and decided not to risk going ashore. The men spent the night in their anchored boats singing songs in hope that the colonists would hear. Uh, White and the others made landfall on the morning of August 18th. The party found fresh tracks in the sand, but they were not contacted by anyone. They also discovered the letters C-R-O carved into a tree. Upon reaching the site of the colony, White noted that the area had been fortified with a palisade near the entrance of the fencing. The word Croatoan was carved into one of the posts. White was certain these two inscriptions meant the colonists had peacefully relocated to Croatoan Island since they had agreed that in 1587, that the colonists would leave a secret token indicating their destination or a cross petit as a Duris code. Okay, so there's like 
all the way up at the top here. I just kind of want to talk about this because this is interesting. So not Lane's colony, but White's colony literally spent one summer while the Spanish um, war was basically going on. They're waiting for supplies. But that last summer of that year, they literally take six of their boats and they start raiding Spanish outposts. Like, you know how desperate you'd have to be? And we're talking about a colony that has no military presence. They literally said they have no military men, yet they take six of their fleet ships, literally start raiding Spanish outposts. You've got to be desperate as fuck mm-hmm. to be doing that. That's yeah. insane. Yeah. Well, and it's like, honestly, like the colonizers who made these colonies didn't even really care about the colonists. Yeah. It's like, oh, we're just going to go like raid colonies and participate in this war and not even check up on the people we just dropped off, the 200 people. Yeah. I mean, just let them die or let them just have at it themselves. You'd have to have like so much buy in to your like type of government because there's no way. Like, if anyone realistically looked at this, like, you're sending me on a death wish, like a death sentence. This is literally for your own glory. You're expending me as like cannon fodder. And I don't know how they didn't see that. Like, they would literally have to be so bought into that system. Yeah. They're searching around. So, as they're searching around within the palisade, they. The search party found that the houses had been dismantled and that anything that could be carried had been removed, including several large trunks um, had been dug up and looted. None of the colony's boats could be found along the shore. So I think that's really telling. Yeah. I think that literally means, like, they just left, you know? They went to some else. And they might have been going to the Croatoan island, like, relocating over there, and they might have just sunk, you know? That's true. That's true. Because, I mean... That was two years that they had no contact with England because they couldn't get supplies. Yeah. So, I mean, we know those colonists aren't going to stay there for two years. No. Especially on an island where there's no, like, you can't really hunt. The only thing you can do is farm, and who knows if you can even farm on an island. Like, Yeah. I would leave, too. I'd be like, we need to go ashore to the mainland so we can hunt and fish and do all that kind of stuff. Oh, for sure. And also, with the amount of fishing you'd be able to do on that island, it'd be depleted after a while just because of the people that were living there, you know? Nope. Okay. All right, so this is the final segment of this episode. So we're going to be going into the investigations of Roanoke. Um, basically, the, the little expectation or investigations that happened. So the first one is Walter Raleigh. And this was from 1595 all the way to 1602, so the span of about seven years. Um, Sir Walter Raleigh, although White failed to locate his colonists in 1590, his report suggested that they had simply relocated and might yet be found alive. However, it served Raleigh's purposes to keep the matter in doubt, so long as the settlers could not be proven dead. He could legally maintain his claim on Virginia. Nevertheless, a 1594 petition was made to declare Aeneas Dare, who was legally dead, so that his son John Dare could inherit his estate. The petition was granted in 1597. During Raleigh's first translatic voyage in 1595, he claimed to be in search of his lost colonists, although he would not admit or that he would admit that his, this disinformation to cover his search for El Dorado. <laughs> okay, so he basically writes us off as a way to go and find the lost colony of Roanoke, but he was really trying to look for El Dorado. <laughs> oh my gosh. Dude, what the fuck, bro? <laughs> That's, did you watch uh, El Dorado when you were a kid? Yeah, that the Pixar Lost movie? City of Gold. Yeah. Dude, that movie was so fucking good. El Dorado. <laughs> Do we need to clip that? Was built by the divinities by gods who saw fit to bestow.
He was kind of greedy. Yeah. Like, he didn't care about food. All he cared about was, like, planting crops that made money. And then he's like, <laughs> you know what? I'm just going to go find El Dorado because that's going to give me more money. For real. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, um, investigations. We'll continue on with some of the investigations into the Lost Colony of Roanoke. Really, there wasn't a whole lot between, like, after it had vanished up until the 1700s uh, with yeah. John Lawson. So the sea traffic through Roanoke fell into decline in the 17th century owing to the dangerous waters off the Outer Banks. And in 1672, the inlet between Hatorask and Croatoan Islands was closed, and the, the landmasses became known as the Hatteras Island. During John Lawson's exploration, which took place in 1701 of Northern Carolina, he, was, he visited the Hatteras Island and encountered the Hatteras people. Although there is evidence of European activity in the Outer Banks throughout the 17th century, Lawson was the first historian to investigate the region since White left in 1590. Lawson was impressed with the influence of English culture on Hatteras and reported that several of the ancestors had been white, some of them had gray eyes, and this supported his claim. Lawson theorized that members of the 1587 colony had assimilated into this community after they lost hope in regaining contact with England. So. Um, he actually heard stories of people with like lighter skin and blue eyes in this area, which mm. is really interesting. Um, he also reported to find the remains of a fort as well as English coins, firearms, and a powder horn. Um, and then in the 1800s, that kind of like, like the research in the area really kicked off. And, um, it, up until the 19th century throughout the 18th and 19th century, the ruins that Lawson encountered in 1701 eventually became a tourist attraction, and James Monroe visited the site in 1819 during uh, the 1860s. Visitors described the deteriorated fort as little more than an earthwork in the shape of a small bastion, and reported holes dug by the search of valuable relics. Um, let's see. In 1941, the National Park Service began administration of the area and they designated it Fort Raleigh National Historic Site. In 1950, the earthwork was reconstructed to an effort to re restore it to its original size and shape. So, yeah, 1800s, 1950s, we have a site preservation. So the ruins that Lawson encountered in 1701 eventually became a tourist attraction. Oh, wait, you know, you already read that. Okay, um, cut, 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 cut. 1887, present time, archaeological evidence. So... Archaeological evidence on the Roanoke Island only began when Talcott Williams discovered a Native American burial site in 1887. He returned in 1895 to excavate the fort, but found nothing in significance. Ivor Noel Hume would later make several compelling finds in the 1990s, but none that could be positively linked to the 1587 colony, as opposed to the 1585 outpost. 
After Hurricane family uncovered a number of Native American artifacts along Cape Creek in Buxton, North Carolina, arth- uh, anthropologist, anthropologist David Sutton Phelps Jr. organized an excavation in 1995. Phelps and his team discovered a ring in 1998, which initially appeared to be a gold signet ring, bearing the heraldry of the Kendall family in the 16th century. The find was celebrated as a landmark discovery, but Phelps never published a paper on his findings and neglected to have the ring properly tested. X-ray analysis in 2017 proved that the ring was brass, not gold, and experts could not confirm the alleged connection to the Kendall heraldry. The low value and relative anonymity of the ring made it more difficult to conclusively associate with any particular person from the Roanoke voyages, which in turn increases the likelihood that it could have been brought to the New World at a later time. So I just kind of want to touch on this because this is really interesting. Um, Anthropology, when I was first going to college, was probably like the most interesting thing I ever like studied as far as classes go. And with anthropologists, they make no money. Like there is no jobs in that field whatsoever unless you have a PhD and you're doing research. And on top of that, this guy literally found a ring, said it was gold, said it belonged to the Kendall family, and then got a lot of attention and fame for it, never published a paper, and never had an x-ray analysis. And then when they did do the x-ray analysis, it turns out, or not the x-ray analysis, when they did the test on it, it was actually brass, not gold, and it had no connection to this family. So this guy basically set himself up in anthropology as discovering something, probably got some better hookups with his job from this, and literally found nothing. Dude, he knew what he was doing all along. Yeah. (laughs) Fuck this guy, dude. (laughs) I mean, I get it. We all struggle. (laughs) Scam artist. Too funny. All right. You want me to finish that off? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Um, Sorry, where did I stop? New World LA Time. Okay. A significant challenge for archaeologists seeking information about the 1587 colonists is that many common artifacts could plausibly originate from the 1585 colony or from Native Americans who traded from other European settlements in the same era. Andrew Lawler suggests that an example of a conclusive find would be female remains, since the 1585 colony was exclusively male, buried according to the Christian tradition. Supine and the East-West orientation, I forgot about that, which can be dated back to before 1650, by which point Europeans would have spread throughout the region. However, few human remains of any kind have been discovered at the sites related to the Lost Colony. Okay, touching on that real quick, isn't it the whole reason that they bury Christians laying on their back facing, or sorry, supine they're laying on their back, back right yeah. yeah in the east west orientation isn't that because the coming of christ he'll come up on the east so you're supposed to see him as he's like going. yeah <laughs> sorry dude this is so fucking stupid <laughs> <laughs> who comes up with this shit bro i don't know oh uh, one possible explanation one possible explanation for the extreme deficiency in archaeological evidence is the shoreline erosion the northern shore of Roanoke Island, where the Lane and White colonies were located, lost 928 feet between 1851 and 1970. Extrapolating from this trend back to the 1580s, it's likely portions of the settlement are now underwater with any artifacts or signs of life with it. Um, in November 2011, researchers at the First Colony Foundation noticed two corrective patches on White's 1585 map, La Virginia Pars. At their request, the British Museum examined the original map with a light table. One of the patches at the confluence of the Roanoke and Chowan rivers was found to cover a symbol representing a fort. As the symbol is not to scale, it covers an area of the map representing thousands of acres in Birdie County, North Carolina. However, the location is presumed to be on or to be in or near the 16th century Weapemioke uh, village of Metaquim. 
In 2012, when a team prepared to excavate where the site, where the symbol indicated archaeologist Nicholas Lucchetti suggested they name the location Site X, as in X marks the spot. Hey. Okay. Um, let's see. I'm just going to hop into the worst growing season. Okay. Okay. So 1587, we have the worst growing season in the 800-year span. So this is from 1,185 um, all the way up to 1984. Okay. So 1,185 all the way up to then, 800 years. So with this, um, in 1998, a team led by climatologist David W. Stahl uh, and archaeologist Dennis B. Blanton concluded that an extreme drought occurred in Tidewater between 1587 and 1589 explicitly where they were basically starving for food and resources. Their study measured growth rings from the network of bald cypress trees, producing data over ranging from that whole entire 800 years. Specifically, 1587 was measured as the worst growing season in the entire 800-year period. The findings were considered consistent with the concerns that the Croatan expressed about their food supply. So I'm going to go out on a hypothesis right here. Um, it's possible with how bad this growing season was and not having any supplies that they died, right? Like, they all died. Yeah. Um, the only, like, conclusion I have on this point, not even talking theories yet, is what if the Indians, due to the respect of, like, Earth, because they're more of, like, a spiritual-based religion when they worship usually, um, what if to, like, not, like, ruin the Earth, they decide to bury the dead bodies of those that had starved? So that's why no one was ever found. Yeah, that's true. That could have happened. Just an idea, you know? For sure. But. Um, this part's actually pretty interesting. Uh, they did a genetic analysis. Well, they tried to do a genetic al- analysis since 2005 um, of some of the bones of the potential Native American descendants, trying to examine the Y chromosomes and the mitochondrial DNA for the, the spans of their time. Um, the challenge was that there was really no remains of the lost colonists of the lost colonists or any of the Indian descendants that they could actually sequence DNA from because this is now over four hundred and thirty year old bones. Mm. So there's really no like tangible evidence that they merged with the Native Americans. Generally with English settlers, I mean this is a little harder to say because it's because they're the very first settlers on the continent from England. Yeah. Uh the Spanish liked to intermingle with the Native Americans. That's yeah. where we get a lot of, like, the modern-day... Um, I think they're called, like, Mezitus. Like, they're a mix of Spanish and Indian mm. people, descendants. Uh, English people didn't necessarily... It was not common at all for them to mix with Native Americans. Did you tell me that Pocahontas story was all fake? <laughs> the Disney one, yes. Oh, damn It was it, actually bro. a really messed-up story. It was a fucked-up <laughs> story. What's the guy's name? John... John Smith. Smith, yeah. Can't, not, there's not a more white name than that. No, so, there isn't. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> um, so we'll, so that's basically what the genetic analysis was about. There's no, they weren't basically able to do any genetic analysis to get any concrete evidence that they did in, intermingle. But that's one of the theories. Some of the other theories into the fate of the lost colony of Roanoke have continued for centuries, but no one's ever come up with a real satisfactory answer. Uh, the word Croatoan was the name of an island south of Roanoke, like we said, and it was home to that Native American tribe. Um, so one of the theories is that, the, one of the more popular theories is that the colonists were attacked by Indians and wiped out, and maybe the Indians took their belongings. Okay. Uh, this is a kind of a strange theory because there was no clear signs of a struggle or a conflict. 
Another theory is that they were absorbed or assimilated into the Indian tribe in that area, but also that's not really plausible either because they don't have yeah. any proof for that. I am curious on that because, I mean, if they did assimilate, I don't even know. I would be more keen to think that they were actually wiped out by the Indians because if the Indians were smart, then they knew that the colonists had guns. Granted, they were like, what, like a 30-second, minute-and-a-half reload time between yeah. shots, but... um they probably would have attacked at night and just killed them all in their sleep. That could have been done. I yeah, think. without having to like burn stuff or destroy stuff and all that. Yeah. yeah so. And then they must have just taken all the bodies because there was no bones, unless all the bones were thrown into the ocean. That's true. The bodies. True. Um. So the other theory is that another theory is that they could have sailed back to England. The colonists they didn't really have like any ships that could have crossed the ocean. Just mostly rowboats and stuff like that and pinnaces. Um, but. Another theory is that they tried to sail back. They were either lost at sea or they were sunk or captured by the Spanish since there was that war that was ongoing. Mm-hmm. And talking about that, the Spaniards, some say that the um, the Spanish could have marched from Florida and attacked the English uh, colony because this was the English first foothold in the New World. Uh, they also could have been attacked by the sea from a Spanish ship. Either way, there were no signs of struggle or conflict. So mm. who knows? If there was an answer to this, it would have been answered already. There's no way they sailed back to England, though, because then they would have an answer. Yeah, There's but no I mean, way. they could have sunk on the way there. Yeah. Because the ships they had were really small. That's true. Honestly, if they that's the case... They could have tried to sail back. Yeah, if that's the case, then I think that's probably the most likely theory. I don't know. What are your thoughts, if you had to pick one? Um, my thoughts are that they either intermingled with the Native Americans, uh, maybe a few of them did at least, and then the other ones tried to go to, like, the mainland. Like, they tried to sail from the island over to, like, the another portion where they could grow and hunt food better. Okay. Um, and then they just got lost in the ocean. You know, they just sunk. Yeah. Because there's been stories where saying that area of the Outer Banks is really dangerous for ships. True. Okay. What about you? No, nah, definitely, I think definitely sailing back to England and then crashing. You think so? Yeah, unless Indians, like, killed them in their sleep. Yeah. But I don't think that yeah. happened. Who knows? We'll never know, but, so. yeah. All right, cool. This is Dark Things Podcast, Season 3, Episode 5. Uh, we're going to go ahead and close out this episode. If you have any suggestions for episodes, those are on our Weebly website. You can find that on all of our social media platforms. Submit a request. This episode was requested by a fan, and we gladly did that for you guys. So go ahead and put in a request for something you want us to talk about. Go ahead and give us a five-star review if you have us on Apple Podcasts. If you don't get an iPhone, then give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Shoot us an email if there's things you don't like about the episode or things that you would like us to like maybe do differently. We always are receptive to that. And on top of that, go ahead and stay tuned. Follow us next week and check out our new drops. See you guys.